Evening at the Movies is a proud member of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network. Other shows in the network include Mass Debaters, The Sip List, Crushgasm, Love is Black, Men are the Prize, Crime Rewind, and Literature Reboots. You can find out all about our shows and more at idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Finally, thank God, to an evening at the movies. Not that we have been on hiatus, but we've been waiting for one of us to get healthy. She's not healthy yet, so we're going to progress because we got shit to do, and she's going to fuck around and find out. So, with all that said, we are here, and we are joined by everybody's favorite banana herself, Miss Shanna. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, Clarice. Um, wrong movie, but just as creepy. Yes. And fucking whatever. Um, for those people who may be tuning in for the first-ish times, um, where can everybody find you on the dark interwebs? Well, I am Shanna, and I am co-host of a few different shows, the first being Crime Rewind, um, where my co-host Amanda and I talk about the old, cold, and often untold true crime stories out in the interweb, and we drop every Tuesday morning. Um, You can check us out on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, anywhere you get your social media feed. I am also one-third of this amazing show, An Evening at the Movies. Um, with Casey and Amanda. Amanda is our sickly co-host, but we love her, and she is here with us in spirit. And thirdly, do you want to talk about our fantastic and highly rated Literature Reaper show? Um, Well, as Shanna said, I am the host, uh, one of the hosts of An Evening at the Movies, this show that you are listening to in case you do not know. In case you've stumbled upon us. Yes. By we, following your trail of breadcrumbs in the inner worlds of the web. Because, yeah, let's be honest, I will shamelessly plug the fuck out of this show. Absolutely. So, um, I will gladly take anybody. I don't care if you just stumble in from, you know, if you're leaving a session of confession at church and you stumble in and want to watch or listen to an evening at the movies, either or. Watch and listen. Just watch, just listen. I don't care. But be a part of the damn show. But the key thing is, if you're leaving church, definitely you want to be here for this episode because we're going to get into it big time. But um, yes, also on top of being one of the amazing hosts of this show, I am also one of the amazing hosts of the very highly ranked Literature Reapers. And we may not be number one anymore because Harvey fucking jinxed us. So I'll be slapping him in his freaking bald head tonight when we do our draft, but yes, we definitely have our Literature Reapers podcast where we talk about all of the wonderment that is literature, and we give our no-holds-barred thoughts and reviews on the stuff that we sit here and read for the better part of a month and try and get through, and sometimes we have good things to say, sometimes Shanna picks a book and we have nothing good to say. Right. It's just the way the world works. 
leave it to me yeah. if it can be screwed up i'm on board but i'm in all fairness to shanna though there are going to be books and i'm sure amanda's going to pick a book that's going to be bad i will pick books that are going to be bad because let's be honest i am not going to go the entire run of this show and not pick a stephen king book so i'm sure there's going to be a bad review coming at some point because and shanna, shanna has a very adverse feeling towards the king himself I, I don't have an adverse feeling. I have read a couple of his books. Um, I read the very first full Stephen King book I ever read was The Cell. And I had to read that for college. And that left a unpleasant taste in my mouth. I did not like it. Okay. So, so for one, if that's the first book of his that you've read, that is not a not a good jumping off point at right. all. That so, is enough to sell anybody on Stephen King. Even me, if that was the first book I had read of Stephen King's, I would not be a Stephen King fan. Right. So then I decided when I had a long trip or a long commute to work, I would entangle myself with it. And I did the audio version. So I listened to it to and from work. And I enjoyed it, but it's not something that I would he's not an author that I would go out and like, be like, Oh my goodness, there's a new Stephen King book. I have to buy it. That's not my relationship with Stephen King. However, if I get a recommendation from a Stephen King fan that knows me that says, you know, I think you would like this one, I will give it a shot. And spoiler alert for future discussions on the show and or literature reapers, Amanda and I currently are working on, the opposite of what Shanna and Amanda worked on for me. And we're coming up with a to read list for Shanna of books of, of Kings that we think she might enjoy. Because at the end of the day, we all know King is not for everybody. Right. You have to be really deep into being a fan of literature and really deep into being a fan of, especially if you're going back to the old stuff. You really have to be into the horror. If you're not into both of those, and it can't be one or the other. It has to be both. Otherwise, right. it's not going to work. And especially when it comes to books like The Stand and It. I have read those, Misery. Yeah, but like those big, thick, thousand-plus page books. Yeah. Those are not ones that I would find myself lot. picking up. It would be more like the the misery size books or carry or you know ones like that that is going to be more up my alley ones that also have a movie that movie that correlates with it so then you know i have <laughs> yeah so this, go ahead finish I'll... so then i have like because there's so much information in a stephen king book from start to finish that I almost feel like I yeah. need to watch the movie as a Cliff Notes version as a jumping point for reference. So that is why I'm super excited about this Stephen King birthday bonanza where we're going to be watching um, the Stephen King movies that maybe I haven't seen or I have seen but haven't read the book to go along with it. So, I mean, everybody's seen the movie that we're reviewing and talking about today. Well, most people, if you haven't, you really do, because there's so many different versions of it as well. So even if you don't like the older movies, we, we're going to completely 
overlook the 2002 because that's a bad year. But we're going to go to the more modern one as well. I mean, I've watched that one and I've watched the original and I enjoyed them both equally and both provided a completely different experience. So I'm definitely excited to talk about today's movie. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think we've been live now for eight minutes and 27 seconds. And, and I went I on think... a tangent and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. But I think it's probably a good idea that we probably should let the listeners know what the hell we're talking about today. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I announce but it? Can I announce it? After um, I let everybody know that um, we are here today as this is the episode where we kick off, as Shanna said, Stephen King birthday bonanza. Not one, not two, but version three. Um, for those of you who may not have been a part of last year or the year before, being Stephen King birthday bonanza one and two, we are going to basically the rest of the month, we're going to dedicate to the birthday boy who will be turning 76 years old in nine days on the 21st. Okay, so I have so, a question. Yes. So I was not privy to year one or year two. This is my first year. Yes. So I am wondering, do you guys pick all new movies each year or do you revisit or how does that work? Where am I coming in on this? Well, so, okay, that actually is what I was going to answer with my very next statement. So thank oh, you for asking that. that question. Oh, no, you're fine. But it actually was a good segue into me talking about what we're doing this year. Because we took, first year we took a buttload of movies and I think we did like eight or nine movies in a month. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like two or three episodes a week. It was a freaking lot, and it was very overwhelming. Last year, we did a couple of different movies that we didn't do the year before. Plus, we also did the Stephen King birthday bonanza, greatest Stephen King movie of all time bracket and crown the greatest Stephen King movie of all time. Interesting winner, but... Who was the I winner? Stand by me. Okay. Stand By Me went head-to-head -head with the Green Mile in the final. And the Green Mile beat Shawshank Redemption in the final four. And Stand By Me beat Misery in the final four. Which, okay. ironically, if you know Stephen King movies well enough, the final four movies, half of the final four was all Frank Darabont-directed movies, being Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. The other half was all Rob Reiner directed movies, Stand By Me and Misery. So, you can definitely pick up the same kind of vibe in each of the movies too. Like mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption and Stand By, or not Stand By Me, Green Mile are very cinematically similar as far as like the filming and the vibe of them and the cinematography. Yes, and then I, I feel the same way about Stand By Me and Misery as well. So that's kind of neat that the, he has movies that are directed by the same people. That way, you know, you can kind of tie into it. Well, because at the end of the day, and Amanda and I have talked about this as well as um, our guest on next week's episode as well, um, as Kevin and I have had this discussion before, I know. But um, there is a small window of movies i will re probably refer to it in my review as the um doo -doo 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 -doo, elusive white rabbit of king adaptations 
where the directors of the movies were incredibly, not 100% faithful, but they were the most faithful of all the directors to the actual source material. Um, Green Mile, Stand By Me, Shawshank Redemption, and Misery are definitely probably four of those fit into that category at the top of the list. Um, Carrie also fits in there, as well as The Mist. The Mist is coming way, 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 way down the road, but we will get there as well. Um, but back to Shanna's question about where do we fit or where is she coming into this whole birthday bonanza thing? The idea that I came up with and proposed to Amanda and we thought would be interesting to try and do. I'm not saying we're going to succeed 100% with it, but um, what we're going to do is we're going to start out with Carrie being the movie we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go in order through the Stephen King cinematic universe. Carrie, well, we're not going to talk as much about Salem's Lot yet. We'll get to Salem's Lot. I have not um, seen Salem's Lot, nor have I read it. So that's going to be a new experience for me. Salem's Lot, another 800-page thick masterpiece. Well, I'm really um, glad that this is an evening at the movies and not literature reapers then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time I read Salem's Lot, it was daunting to get through. And evidently, um, somebody is commenting and... Damn it, no it didn't. Um, I'm going to have to turn my volume off and I'm going to have to turn on the live feed because everybody's favorite co-host who still is suffering from the side effects of the Coca-19 being bronchitis and a sinus infection is volume. Yes, Amanda, now it's showing up because I have my live feed up on my cell phone. So I... For some reason, it's not popping up on the laptop screen, but if you want to keep commenting, please comment on the posting online on Facebook, and I will try and keep my eyes on that as well as we discuss. So, um, but yes, you are showing up now. Um, so uh, we're basically, for right now, we're going to do the cinematic movies being um, Carrie, The Shining, uh, Creepshow, and Cujo, and eventually down the road we'll get to like the made-for-TV stuff like Salem's Lot, um, It, 1990, The Stand, 1994, the miniseries type stuff. That is because this a those... good time to mention that I've never seen Creepshow? Coming in up in two weeks on an evening at the movies. Well, I mean, I'll watch it for anything at the movies. I've just never seen it. So I, I that, that might be fun for our listeners to get the imp first impressions of a first-time watcher. Yeah. No, I I like the idea because, um, like, next week um, we're going to be talking about The Shining. And, um, and just so everyone knows, we're talking about the Jack Nicholson version, not the Stephen Weber. Yes. Although Stephen Weber probably will get brought up if all things go according to plan, because we are supposed to be joined next week by Tim Arnold, who is the host of the archived soon to be dusted off and brought back to the real world again, podcast, the Stephen King, the, oh, ugh, 
the Overlook, a Stephen King podcast, who is Tim, for those of you who don't know, is the person who actually brought Amanda and I together and allowed us to start podcast Julie scissoring each other. And then then YouTube brought me into the mix. And now we're like a perfect triangle. Illuminati. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. So lots of good stuff is coming in the next couple of weeks while we give you a condensed but full version of Stephen King Birthday Bonanza. And then even as we get through Cujo, we're we're still going to go cinematically in order but between now and next september because we're not just going to do it in september we'll give you one or two three or four throughout the year as we get through so that we can keep going because there is a lot of stephen king movies cinematically alone let alone the stuff you got the miniseries that we talked about you've got 11 63 you've got all the made for tv stuff there's there's a lot of stuff to cover yes and i'm excited so, about it it's going to be fun to try and get through it all. I I personally believe I've seen it everything. I'm not 1,000% sure, but we will find out as we get through because I like discovering stuff that I thought I saw, but evidently I haven't seen or I've only seen half of or whatever the case may be. All right. So let's get into Carrie because I am excited. I am excited too. And the fact that we're, you know, rapidly approaching draft time. So Well, not rapidly. we still got a couple hours to go. But at the same time, we need to get into this because I'm excited for Carrie, and Carrie is a great freaking movie, and I'm not going to talk about that anymore until we get to the reviews. But Carrie, released on November 3rd, 1976. It was directed by Brian De Palma, released by United Artists, had a budget of $1.8 million, had a box office of $33.8 million. And go ahead, Shanna. Guess what the Rotten Tomato score is for this movie. I'm going to go... Hmm. I'm going to say based on... My it is toma- tomato meter, not audience meter. I'm going to go 70. Not even close. Was I high or low? I was low. Well, that makes sense because it's De Palma, which is the same director of like Scarface and Carlito's Way and The Untouchables and everything. So, I mean, yes. while while we legit. banter, while we banter really quick, Amanda, since I know you're watching, would you like to venture a guess before I say what the Rotten Tomato, Rotten Tomato meter, not audience meter, rating for the movie is? So, yeah, it's, De Palma is notoriously famous for movies like Carlito's Way. Scarface. He is a great, talented Very director. And yes, and that is definitely something with uh, this movie that because literally they only had a budget of, what did I say, $1.8 million. Um, but yet they still, the practical effects from this movie especially considering this is like 1976 pre I mean, Star Wars episode four was in production at this point. So you had Lucasfilm working on developing all these special effects and whatnot that would become right. like the standard for movie making. But 
De Palma didn't have all this stuff. At he didn't disposal. have the budget for it. No, obviously he didn't have the budget. Well, Lucas didn't have the budget for it either for the original Star Wars, which is why he had to go out and literally nickel and dime and record sound effects off of different. That's a whole different thing. That Star Wars discussion is for me and uh, Chris Cole to discuss at a later date and time. But, um, well, I'm guessing she's not chiming in. So um, we're just going to go ahead and go with the fact that Carrie had a Rotten Tomato meter rating of 93%. That is incredible. That's a really high number for Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, um, I get it, but I just know that they're notorious for rating low and the audience scores tend to be higher. Do you have yes. the audience score for this? Uh, I, no, I do not. I'd be curious I know, to see. I do know because I remember looking last year when we put the bracket together for... Um, the greatest Stephen King movie tournament of all time. Carrie was the overall number one seed in the tournament. It was the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. So it was the number one, overall number one seed in the whole entire tournament. I think this is probably the first introdu introduction that a lot of people had to Stephen King as far as cinematic. I mean, a lot of people probably read the books and everything, but I think this was probably their like first real introduction to King as far as movies based on his books. I mean, I know there's Christine. Real, well, the movie adaptation of Carrie came very close on the heels of the book's release when it first came out as well. Yeah. So. They fed in, they fed off of each other, I'm sure. They, they really did feed off of each other. But um, for those of you who don't know, this actually, the book that King wrote actually was fished out of a garbage can by his wife and given to him and she told him you need to publish this book it is a lot better than you think it is king did not like how this book came out at all in the beginning and if you actually look at the book like physically look at the book compared to the rest of his books even for some of his smaller books carrie is a very thin small book it's so, fantasized. Yeah. I mean, well, it is. It, the, uh, one reason why I can spoiler alert say that Carrie is probably going to be on the to read list for Shanna. Yeah. When she gets her finalized list. But I mean, I get it because I personally dabble in writing myself and I've completed a lot of stuff, but yet I don't ever feel ever feel like it's good enough and worthy enough for me to submit down you know the proper chain of command and get try and get published because you're as a creator and creative person you're always going to be your your own worst critic right and if he wasn't feeling it he probably didn't put as much effort into it as he did to books that he had a more positive outlook on you got to remember these are the alcohol years before he started getting famous and making money and dabbled into the alcohol and cocaine years too. So he, I knew that he man had, was on something. Well, I will say this and it's not spoiling anything for it, but, and I've again discussed this with numerous people before. Um, as far as like his demons and dark aspects of his 
personal life. You can tell in his writing when he's in his alcohol and cocaine phase and when he starts coming out of that and starts writing soberly because there's a distinct evolution. I look at his writing in three phases. You have the alcohol and cocaine years. You have the sober years being basically everything after the Dark Tower Part 2. But then at a certain point, you have the post-van accident years where he was hit by a van and almost killed. I remember that. I'd completely forgotten about that, but then I remember it now that you brought it up. His writing at those distinct moments in his life definitely has evolved because if you've read a Stephen King book from the beginning of like the cocaine and alcohol years, and then if you've sat down and read like 112263, those books are totally different in feel. 112263 has more of a real life fantastical element to it where a lot of the older stuff in the beginning has more of a horror feel to it. A lot of the stuff nowadays doesn't necessarily have as much of a horror feel to it. Some of the horror is dabbled out of. It's more supernatural based rather than. Supernatural, fantasy, things of that nature. So, wow. That was a long ramble to go down for just a Rotten Tomato score. (laughs) Um, Really quick before we get into the discussion. Um, If you are interested and have not seen this movie, and for those of you listening on Spotify and not watching on YouTube or live, I'm shaking my head at you because if you have not seen this movie, where the fuck have you people been for 47 years? Also, the remake from, what is it, 2013? 13, yeah. Is good too. So even if you're not like a huge Sissy Spacek fan, like definitely check out the remake remake because it's good too. Like I enjoyed it, but to be 100% honest, like I talked to you about too, they have very different feels to them. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recommend not just watching one or the other. I really recommend like diving into both because they each portray Carrie as a different kind of person. Yes. And again, like I said, I, I personally feel like this falls into that elusive white rabbit of King adaptations. Um, but at the same time, like I said, when I defined that a couple minutes ago, it's this, this is not a 100% faithful adaptation. Which one do you feel is closer to the book? I will go probably 2013 only because, and this is no slight at Brian De Palma either, because you also have to remember when the original came out in 1976, Brian De Palma probably wasn't given a whole lot of rope to quote unquote, hang himself with. I'm sorry, bad metaphor. Right. But um, this is right after probably within a year of, the book coming out and this is king's debut novel anything that he had published 
mainstream wise before that was all published in the Backman books, which was only four short stories. So he really was stepping out on his own out of the shadow of Richard Backman. And hi, I'm Stephen King. This is me. Come and read my stuff. And nobody really knew until people started picking up Carrie and reading it just how much of yes um, how much love and respect he was going to get from the audience both literature and then with United Artists picking up the rights to the movie and wanting to fast track an adaptation out and I don't know exactly what the going rate is right now, but I also know that when his books come out, they are the fastest optioned books. As soon as it's available, bam, the, the book is instantly optioned for movie or TV. So that says a lot too on top of it. But Right, to have that kind of reputation that people are waiting for something yeah. new to come out to be able to pick it up and, you know, do some kind of a adaptation with it. That's, I mean, his reputation obviously precedes him. Oh, hey, look at that. We have a ghost in the backstage right now <gasps> who, who will be here with us. I have to announce the fact our third party will be here when we hit the review portion of ooh, the show. Ooh, prepare for some shenanigans. Because, like we talked about in the beginning, Amanda has had the COVID the last few weeks. And on top of it, she went to the doctor yesterday and found out she's got bronchitis, a sinus infection. Upper respiratory infection. An upper respiratory infection. So she couldn't be here for a full episode, but we presented her with the option of being able to pop in and say hi and give us her thoughts and opinions as well so okay well evidently after i explained all of that shit just changed because hello co-host i'm mostly just gonna listen until the end <coughs> because of that i'm also a little high on cough syrup so i'll just be here listening to your commentary for the most part I'm high on the oregano. She was gonna, she was gonna high record a podcast, but then she got high. Mm -hmm. She was gonna scratch right. her veg, but then she got high. <laughs> well, all right Not then. I don't have, I don't have an itchy veg. Thank you very much. Not the itchy veg. Oh Jesus God! Time <sighs> for that. Okay, continue. Yes. Shake your okay. time. <laughs> so. Wow, we're 31 minutes into this and we're still haven't even gotten to where you can find this movie on freaking streaming yet. Um, Carrie is available to stream for free on Max as well as Paramount Plus, which is weird because normally the two don't ever scissors each other. But if um, for some reason you aren't a cheap bastard, you can also pay the money and rent it on Apple and Amazon for $3.99 or if you want to buy it, 
which I highly recommend having a personal copy of it because it's that great of a movie. You can buy it on Apple, Amazon, Google, and YouTube for $14.99. So, are we ready? Yes. Are you are you ready to listen, co-host? <laughs> yes. Why are you holding a... Never mind, I'm not going to finish that statement without context. I almost went to an inappropriate place with that comment. Why are you holding a giant plushy penis? Because it's soft. And Which is not normally how I like them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Um, are you far enough away from a coughing fit that you could briefly tell us what the movie is about? Yes. Hold on. Because you are an expert on doing this, and I know the listeners love it when Amanda beats her clock for 90 seconds. That sounds dirty. That sounds so dirty. People always like it when I beat stuff. Okay. Um, yes. Okay, hold on. There came some coughs. Okay, so here we go. Okay, before Ready? we get started, before we get started, Shanna, what? I'm muting. I'm muting you, and I'm muting me, so that um, we. He prematurely muted himself. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do a lot of shit prematurely. Um, I heard that. I'm, I'm that going to mute. Not, oh, snap! I'm going to mute us so we don't make her laugh and start a coffee fit. Okay. And... Okay. High school can be tough for many teenagers, but for Carrie White, it's especially hellish. A shy and awkward teen being raised by a religious zealot, Carrie is frequently the target of bullies. But Carrie has a secret talent. She can make things move with her mind. One fateful night, an especially cruel prank at her senior prom pushes her over the edge, and Carrie unleashes her telekinetic powers on all who get in her way. Bum, bum. And not one cough while you were doing it. I was bum, careful. Bum. I took a deep breath. In, but not too, because it's it's really when I'm talking and taking breath. Anyway, I've been I've had the bronchitis, and I know exactly what you're talking about because up until this year, which by the way, I'm happy to announce that um, I am officially six months off tobacco as of today. So, yay! Yay for me! But every time I've always had bronchitis before, it's always been bronchitis coupled with the smoker's cough. So Think about how color. much hookers and blow you can buy with the money you've saved off of smoking. Not the hookers and blow. <laughs> yeah, especially since my fat ass is unemployed right now. Blow so, is not cheaper than cigarettes, though. Depends on where you get the hookers. They may not be either. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably go downtown Aberdeen, Washington and probably get cheap hookers for cheaper the than The PC term is sex worker. <laughs> I feel like there's stages. <laughs> All right. So, um, Shanna, are you ready to discuss this movie with me while the other of us sits here and listens quietly? Absolutely. 
Okay. So I promised when I, you and I discussed this that I was not going to go to the cookie cutter questions for this because I have uh, one, two, three, four, three or four questions that I think are pretty much going to sum up a solid discussion for this movie. Okay. But we're, with that said, though, that means we're going to have to rip the bandaid off and we're going to have to get deep into this shit really quickly. That's what she said. So, first off, <laughs> does Margaret White love her daughter? I think that she loves her in the way that she knows how. Um, I definitely think the remake the 2013 remake definitely goes into more of their relationship and the the dynamic of it in the original the one with sissy spacek you don't really get much I, I you don't get that background information so it's a little more difficult to answer if you were going to base it off of that one I would have to say with her being as religious as she is and the way that Margaret was most likely raised, I believe that she probably loved Carrie the best that she could and thought that she was raising her the way that she should. Um, I don't agree with it. I think her mother was a psycho, but oh yeah, I think that in her own weird and unconventional way i think she did i think so, she was um, trying to save carrie from herself in her mind so um amanda yay nay agree disagree i mostly agree i think her mom resented her and that carrie was a source of guilt for her because she had premarital sex so i think she had, probably had a lot of resentment towards carrie Mm -hmm. She's a fucking hypocrite and she's crazy, but I mean, she didn't murder her when she came out of the womb. So I guess she loved her a little bit. Yeah. There is definitely some horseshit but fuckery in that mother daughter relationship. Um, Absolutely. And again, I don't think I completely finished my statement when we were talking about the whole amount of rope that Brian De Palma was given to hang himself with on his adaptation of the movie because um, definitely the 2013 movie they delve a little bit more in depth into the backstory of Margaret White than they do in the original movie which definitely helps to help you as a, as a viewer realize that this chain of command on this wackiness that is Margaret White probably goes way 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 back into the past I'm right and when you watch further, the first further one. back than Yellowstone like right pre-1883 people and had I not like obviously I have not read the book and I had I not watched the 2013 remake I would have struggled to understand why there was such disdain from Margaret towards her daughter. It wasn't all that clear in that movie. Like I, I will say this, and I'm not trying to spoil it. You get a little bit in 2013. You get a whole lot more 
in the book. Amanda, shake your head yes. Well, in the original movie, I mean, just like in the, the 2013, you it, it takes you till the end of the movie or close to the end, but you do get the, yeah, I, I had sex and I got pregnant and, you know, we weren't strong enough to, so that's why I kind of say the guilt thing maybe because I, that's clearly why she resents her and doesn't want mm -hmm. her to do the same things. Um, and I, I'm on, sorry, I can't remember because I'm a little high right now, but in the 70, is it 77? 78? 76, I think. Oh, okay. 76 version. Margaret doesn't do like the self-harming stuff in that one, does she? Right. No, I didn't see anything. Yeah. That, which was a like, shock to me when I watched the reading. Yeah. You mm -hmm. get a lot Piper more. Is, Piper Laurie is more psychologically a wackadoo in that movie. Well, right. But I think that self-harming, the banging your head against the wall, the slapping herself, the cutting herself, like play it shows you more that she is mentally ill and not just a religious zealot but both combined together mm -hmm. those two Party. entities scissor each other jim bob duggar and margaret white brother and sister gross Blech. but they're pretty fucking close to the same freaking person so um um, so early on in the movie after the opening takes place um, uh, Sue Snell encourages her boyfriend Tommy to ask Carrie to the senior prom mm -hmm. I've heard people discuss the fact that um, they, Sue, may not have had best of intentions at heart when she did that. And it may have been a little bit selfish. Absolutely. Personally, do you think she and Tommy had the best intentions of at heart, uh, at heart? Or is they are, or are they just as guilty as the rest of them fucked up 17 and 18 year olds? I don't think that they had the intention of I don't think they were like so much into or in on the conspiracy you know to have something happen to her but I definitely think that Sue had Tommy ask Carrie to the prom to kind of alleviate some of her own guilt over the way that they had treated them and I think Tommy just wanted to make Sue happy so he went along with it I don't think Tommy had like ill intentions or anything like that. I think he was just trying to do what was asked of him. And Amanda and I actually talked about this when we were watching or when I was watching the movie in the remake, the 2013 remake, he, Tommy's character played by Ansel Elgar, he was actively like flirting with her and, you know, like mm -hmm. being romantic and stuff. And it was weird because that seemed like it was just setting Carrie up for heartbreak because she obviously was thinking there was more to it than what there was um, in which, the, which ultimately is adding fuel to the fire of what happens. Right. Once hell on earth unleashes. And right. And in the, the original, there wasn't so much of Tommy being romantic. It was just, it was kind of as awkward for him as it was for her. Um, like he was just yeah. there because he was asked to be. So it, it wasn't any of that, you know, 
but he was still being nice and making her feel good about herself. Absolutely. Which I think was the point, but yeah, absolutely. But in the the remake, there was definitely that romantic level where he was, you know, romancing her and doting on her and giving her the impression that this was going to be, you know, like some romantic kind of thing. And like there was a chance that he was going to leave Sue and right. Right. And in the original, I didn't get that feeling from him. He was just being a nice guy. Um, He wanted to make the night special for her. So, you know, it wasn't any like he wasn't either. Either way you look at it, it's still freaking heartbreaking for somebody who has been bullied and psychologically abused the way that Carrie has been abused. But I think Carrie understood that it wasn't going to lead to anything. Right. I I think she understood that. In the OG. Well, even in this one, both, you know, both of them, she says, well, aren't you a Sue? And he's like, well, she doesn't want to go. And I think we'd have fun. And, you know, thanks for saying what you said about my, well, in the original, it's about his poem and then, something but whatever he stuck up for her in class and so i think you know i mean i think she understood oh shit sorry i think she understood it as much as she could but i mean i see where you're coming from too yeah i definitely think that sue was doing it to absolve herself of guilt oh absolutely because for those of you who watched the movie their opening scene of the movie obviously not to get graphic but uh what 17 year old Carrie White gets her period for the first time mm-hmm. way, way, way late in development. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's explained pretty thoroughly in the book how that may or may not have happened. We're not going to go into that. But um, ultimately, when she finds out that she's bleeding, she freaks out and starts trying to get help from some of the other girls in her gym class. And they start bullying, hazing, harassing, throwing throwing feminine products at her and telling her to plug it up. Yeah. First of all, ew, grow up. And Sue is one of the ones who is throwing tampons at her. She may, I don't necessarily know if it was properly visually shown, but it's definitely explained it. Well, no, it, it was shown, but what I'm where I'm going is I don't I don't think Amy Irving was properly portrayed the fact that Sue was having regrets about doing it and that she was just going along because the rest of her class was doing it and she was trying to fit in in the movie I don't know just my own personal opinion right I do think that, like, she was one of the original instigators with the thing. And, you know, she started, like, throwing the the feminine products at her. And then when she saw, like, how far it got or how far it went, I think at that point she started being like, okay, this is going too far. And that's when she kind of hesitated and kind of pulled back from the activity a little bit. So I do think that that is what started her guilt is, you know, like, oh, this is what we did to her is really wrong. We should not have done that to her. And I think that was the precursor to her asking Tommy to take her to the prom is because she I think she felt like that would absolve her of her part in that activity. And then all would be right with the world. And it wasn't. But 90 some minutes later, does it? No. <laughs> um, 
So uh, let's see. Two more. Uh, who is the ultimate bad guy in this story, do you feel? I kind of feel like her mom. I kind of feel like it was Margaret. This is one of those where I don't necessarily think one specific entity is the wrong answer. I think there may be three or four. I, I obviously, I have, you know, Chris is obviously up there with the bad guys. We get that. I mean, that's the obvious choice. Um, but I think, I, I think that Margaret carries some of that villain burden as well. I mean, had she raised her daughter in a supportive home, like, I don't want to say normal because that's, there's no such thing as normal, but to, had she raised her in a home where some of the things that Carrie was dealing with, like her period, she had no idea what that even was. She thought she was dying. Had she raised her in a home where normal education had taken place, maybe she would have been equipped to handle situations like that, uh, that arise in every girl's life. You know, every girl has started her period in an uncomfortable time or place, you know, and most of us have the wherewithal to deal with that without having an absolute meltdown because we've been given the education on what happens, why it happens and what to do. But well, at, the end, at the end of the day, she freaked out because she thought she was bleeding to death. Yeah. She had absolutely no idea that this was even a thing that happened. Like no clue that girls have periods and once a month they bleed from their vaginas. Like, well, and at the end of the day, though, too, her mom may not necessarily have had that great of an understanding either because, and I'm coming from the perspective, I've also read the book as well. Right. And I'm trying not to bring the book into it, but I know this portion does, although it's not necessarily discussed well or if all at all in the movie, but Margaret didn't even really know what, the bleeding necessarily was either. Right. But I thought it was a a curse from God too. So, I mean, same, (laughs) (laughs) but I know why it happened. First comes the blood, then the boys. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, which is not a fair assumption, but because just because you're bleeding doesn't mean, Ooh, we're prime predators now. And we want you. No, 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 no. No, there really is scientific evidence about, especially in animals, maybe not as much as humans, but animals that do menstruate. And then even with humans, like the pheromones, it's like part of it has to do with hormones and the age you're at too, but it's like a pheromone thing. Yeah. And I think that. Not the pheromones. (laughs) (laughs) We've corrupted him. That was great. (laughs) Um, But I think. I think everybody has their part to play in what happened. Um, I think everyone has some action that makes them culpable for the end result. You know, I think, um, I think Carrie, I mean, and like we've talked to, and again, I'm going to go into the difference between the original and the remake. We're going to get to that question here in a second too. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. You're fine. That's actually a good, Good segue, segue to my next and final Not question. Segue. Not the segue. <laughs> so, 
Um, One thing I did notice, and I talked with you guys about it when I watched mm. both movies. I originally watched the first one, and then I was like, I'm going to go for extra mm. credit, and I'm going to watch the remake. And they, Carrie was... Jenna always goes big or goes home. I know. The, the portrayal of Carrie at the end was very, very different in both of these movies. Mm-hmm. In the original, it was almost like she was victimized and had absolutely no control over right. what happened. But then in the remake... It's almost like she was con- in complete control, and this was then. Oh, yeah. She was. So, you know, it was very, very different as far as exactly. So, I I definitely feel like Carrie was more of the villain in the remake than she was in the original. I mean, the first one, you, you definitely feel sorry for her. You're like, she just lost her shit. And, yeah, you know, all of the stuff. Different. Yeah, everything compiled and blew up and there was no controlling it but in the remake you act you actively see her um like hurting people that tried to help her like the gym teacher and you know stuff like that the only person she saved um oh amanda just so you know um x just announced that taylor just revealed the vault tracks for 1989 Ooh. Yeah. Like released it or just said what it is? Just said what they are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, This is not Taylor Swift freaking birthday bonanza part three. Hey, hold on, though. (laughs) But, um... Look at all my bracelets. (laughs) Being sick and, um... Crafty. Having a hobby that doesn't take a lot of energy. But, like, I definitely feel like night or 2013 version was way more of a villain than I think 1976 was definitely victim. And that so, was more like the book. Yeah. So. So that poses the question, though, because in definitely, I think, more in the book and 2013. Um, Margaret White more has a psychotic feeling deep in her lady parts. Whatever you want to call it. I, I, would, <laughs> I can't say soul because she has no fucking soul the way she fucking acts. But at the same time, she's got it somewhere deep in the back of her dark, warped mind that her daughter is um, the Antichrist or Satan. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, um, the way that she is a fanatical religious person, I mean, if her daughter is moving shit and, yeah, you know, she's moving shit without touching it and stuff like that, like, I'm sure she's yeah, like, she, what the fuck? She's a witch. Yeah, there's definitely something. And she probably thinks that Carrie is her reckoning for her sins, you know, now mm-hmm. that the devil has, yeah. you know, come to make her pay. And, I mean... I don't want to say I get it because I don't, but I get it. In her mind, that make that makes logical sense in mm-hmm. the way she thinks. Yeah. So the final portion of this question, do two wrongs make a right? No. Ultimately, is Carrie, because there's been discussions throughout the vast Stephen King world of um, Carrie is 
the good guy, the victim, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, is she a good person? No, I, I think there's a very fine line between mm -hmm. retribution and revenge. Does the fact that she killed everybody in at the prom and, you know, blew up half the fucking town and killed her mother, does that make her, does that absolve her, the fact that everything that's happened to her absolve her from wrongdoing for doing those things? No. I think if she had only killed the people that had wronged her, I think it would be a better argument for, you know, but there had to have been innocent people that were affected by that as well. Uh, you can't tell me that Carrie was the absolute only person that was bullied in that school. Those girls were vicious. So yeah. there had to have been other targets. So the fact that, you know, she hurt everyone that was in that gym, you know, and no. Had I, well, she just I think taken out the people that she was hurt by? Sure. You know, but that's where that revenge and retribution kind of clash and collide. I think most of the people in the school probably in some way, shape, or form had bullied Carrie or talked about her behind her back or giggled I mean, or even whatever. Even the teachers. Yeah. Even the teacher, even the principal. I mean, he, how many times did he say her name in that first little scene in his office? And Cassie. Cassie. <laughs> Katie, blah, 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 blah. it's Carrie! And she flips well, over. By the way, hashtag, <laughs> I have never been in a principal's office before where he's been allowed to have an ashtray on his freaking desk. Well, it was the 70s. But let me ask you this. Do you think that some of those people were intentionally mean or were they just intentionally indifferent? Or were they just going along for the well, ride? Well, it depends on the person. Else right. Like the principal, do you really think he was mispronouncing her name no, you, to no. be an asshole? No. But you it know, just made but, her feel like she no, was, I, was even more invisible. Right. But does that mean, does that put him in the same caliber as Chris? And, no. You know, but, but like the teachers that talk behind your back, but there's different levels and degrees of like guilt. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. You have Chris who dumped fucking pig's blood on her in her beautiful gown. And you have... A maid gown. Yeah. Um, just going to throw this out there for prosperity, but the gown in the 2013 was way better than the one in 1976. Well, technology. Fashion. And fashion. And yeah. Fashion, I would say fashion back then was definitely a lot different than it was... It covered her yeah, dirty pillows like, better. It looked like a nightgown the first yeah. time. Okay, so I just want to say that, like, obviously, no, two wrongs don't make a right. I think, like, the 2013 is a little bit closer to the book, and in that one, she definitely does turn into a villain. But I have to say, in that version, seeing Chris and Billy get what the fuck was coming to them was oh, so yeah. satisfying. Yeah. I, the, Chris's death, like, bravo, people. Bravo on that death yeah. scene. She was awful. She was yeah. such a giant cunt bag. Yeah. It was definitely a lot more graphic in 2013 than it was. Yeah. And I loved it. So. She was a scene definitely. of Tuesday. Um, Nancy Allen and John Travolta deserved it in 1976. Mm -hmm. the, two, the two people in 2013 definitely fucking deserved it. So, all right. So,
So for prosperity, unless somebody else has something else they'd like to bring up to discuss. Yes? No? Nope. Maybe so? No. Um, we'll go ahead and let um, our favorite sickly co-host share her thoughts and review and rating on the movie. She's physically ill and I'm mentally ill. <laughs> well, let's not combine those two. Although I'm, I'm partially mentally ill too. Um, yeah, I'll probably, I'll, I'll give my review. And then after you guys do yours, I'm probably going to bounce. I'm getting a little lightheaded. Um, okay. So are we reviewing both movies or. <laughs> the 1976. Okay. I threw the 2013 and just because I watched it and I'm an overachiever. I just yeah. watched it too. So we can we can get to 2013 down the road when we get to 2013 because we'll come back to 2013 and get a lot deeper into it. Because okay. Julianne Moore, wow, <laughs> wackadoodle. Okay, well, I thought you know for being his very first book and a movie adaptation of it, I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, you definitely don't get as deep into Margaret and Carrie in that original one, but you uh, as you do in the other one, but. Um, I don't know. I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's not right, but I do kind of enjoy seeing someone who's bullied get their revenge since it's all fake and telekinesis is always cool. Um, I'm going to give it four out of five bloody prom dresses. Not a bad score. Uh, Shanna? Um, I'm kind of on board with Amanda. Having not read the book and just basing it, my review on the book itself. Um, and I'm just going to reiterate what she said, you know, as far as watching people that deserve it get their, their comeuppance or whatever they, they call it. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go four flying ashtrays out of five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So my thoughts. Um, one. We kind of discussed it earlier, but um, De Palma and the writers definitely take a little bit of a different roundabout way of telling the story, but it's still a pretty accurate adaptation of a King book. I say that, and I have the right to say that, and Amanda can definitely say she has the right to say it because she's read enough Stephen King books and seen enough Stephen King movies. The adaptations for his stuff normally is way not the same thing. Yeah, it's a, it gets a little crazy. So um, the fact that De Palma is one of those couple of small handful of directors, De Palma, Reiner, Darabont, Mike Flanagan, who can do adaptations of his work and stay pretty faithful to the book, definitely a hands off, hats off for that one. Um, I think probably one of my least favorite things about the movie is the fact that I did not realize that people who live in Bangor, Maine have a deep south, southern accent like Sissy Spacek does. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck like... was up with that? I don't know. Um, Her mom didn't even have an accent. No. It's not like she heard it at home. Yeah, um, well, it's not like she has to go too far south. I think Sissy is from West Virginia, but that's still deep enough in the South that 
New she England accent. She was for coal miner's daughter. <laughs> yeah. A, a New England accent and a redneck accent, not the same thing. Why are you inviting me to prom, Tommy? <laughs> Aren't you a Sue? Um, one of the other things I noticed while rewatching this movie for the 117th time, um, to me, John Travolta feels like an evil Danny Zuko in this movie. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny thought that popped into my head. Um, other than that, though, I think Brian De Palma did a amazing job directing this movie. Um, that loving had me a blast. Pig's blood came down in a splash. Not the summer loving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, the screenwriters wrote a pretty entertaining script. Um, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, for $1.8 million, for a $1.8 million budget, the use of practical effects in this movie was, for, especially for the time, I mean, obviously you can't do a movie like they did it then, now. Your audience will freaking lynch you in a heartbeat for doing that shit now. Yeah, but, I love practical um, effects. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's a more creative way of trying to make the weird and unpredictable yeah. realistic. And yeah, it's not 100% great, but considering the time and like we talked about at the beginning before you got here, I mean, the, this movie came out in the Star Wars episode before was still being made so a lot of the groundbreaking stuff and special effects hadn't even been figured out and discovered and released to the world yet so definitely hats off to De Palma for that um, and again this is one of like I coined the term this is definitely one of those elusive white rabbits of, Sting, of King adaptations where it's pretty faithful to the adaptation or to the book and all of that. So um, I went four out of five buckets of pig blood. So that's almost what I said that I figured that's what you had. So I switched it up. <laughs> I all right. Well, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys, but I am going to go. So uh, check out the sip list, please listen to it. Check out our other shows that these two will talk about. And um, I will see you two in a couple hours. All right. Rest up. Peace and hair grease. They're all going to laugh, too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, later. All right, so that leaves us basically to tell the dozens. Thank you guys for being here each and every week. Thank you for being patient and waiting for us to do this episode. We really, really wanted Amanda to be here for the whole episode. And she was, for the most part, here for the majority of the episode. So, but... She will definitely be here next week for the Shining episode. So tune in when, for the first time in almost 170 episodes, Tim Arnold will be with us. And we will be discussing the Shining. So that will be definitely a fun and interesting discussion, considering it is probably one of King's least favorite adaptations of all time. But we will share our thoughts and opinions on whether or not he is rightfully just in those feelings or whether he's way off base. 
So, um, what do you got coming up on your 18 shows, Miss Shanna? Well, like we went over um, at the beginning, we have Crime Rewind every Tuesday. Um, definitely check that out. You can you know, catch that on any of the podcast services that you get your podcast fix on, as well as Literature Reapers, where we are talking currently, or well, not talking, but we're going to be talking about The Hellbound Heart very soon for the first half uh, mid-month check-in. Um, it's a small book, so we decided to take on two books this month. Um, and then later in the month, we will be doing To Kill a Mockingbird. And then um, on this show, we will continue with our Stephen King birthday bonanza. Part three. Part three. As well as coming up after that, we will be delving into Halloween Horror Fest 2023 with some great classic horror movies as well. And I forgot to bring it up at the beginning, but I promised each and every one of you guys who are listening a very special announcement. I am honored to announce that starting this week, we are going to record Thursday, Friday, whenever. But the episode will drop on Sunday, and voting will start uh, promptly Monday morning. And we will be debuting our latest creative genius madness, warped sense of entertainment. It is called the Chaos Bracket. So what a Chaos Bracket is, is it's just like what we've done in the past with the other brackets. Only we're going to add a 100% element of randomness to the whole entire thing. We've got the first one we're going to do is going to be. I'm going to officially, I haven't talked to the girls about it, but I'm going to officially deem the tournament a queen of chaos bracket where we're going to have four actresses and each of us picked 16 movies from each actress. And we didn't go by Rotten Tomatoes or Rolling Stone or whatever. We completely randomized the whole thing. So you may get, say, a Julia Roberts bad movie might be number one against a great Julia Roberts movie at number eight. Who knows? It's all random and it's all chaotic. And it will be chaotic each and every week. So you're not going to know from one week to the next who's going to match up against who. So you have to tune in and you have to participate and you have to discuss the randomness of all of this. We will be, we will have a Julia Roberts bracket. We will have a Drew Barrymore bracket. We will have a Reese Witherspoon portion of the bracket, as well as a Sandra Bullock portion of the bracket. And like I said, we will do, we will start voting Monday on two, and then we will start voting on the other two on Tuesday because that's a lot. To do all in one day. Yes. So bring on the chaos. We love chaos, so bring it on. And definitely, um, I highly recommend you guys tune in and listen on Tuesday nights and participate on our I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network drafts because those are fun episodes. And if you miss out on those, you're really missing out. But if you do can't if you can't listen live, I definitely recommend you check out the recorded episodes when Dre drops them on Fridays, wherever you get your podcast listening fix, as well as you can find them on the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network website, www.idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com, as well, 
as well as you can find an evening at the movies, Crime Rewind, Literature Reapers, The Sip List, Men of the Prize, Men of the Prize, Crush Love Gasm, is Black, Love is Black, Masturbators. All the shows are available there as well. All of those shows also are also are available wherever you get your podcast listening fix. So definitely check out all these shows. We are great podcast hosts. We have a lot of fun doing this, and we love trying to entertain and have discussions with you guys. So definitely be involved. I highly encourage it. And not to beat a dead horse, but for those of you who do like literature, I highly have to recommend, if you have not listened yet, go back and listen to the first what nine chapters, I think, are out right now uh, on Love is Black, where Harvey yes. and his wife, Carice, are um, basically week to week writing the great black love story. So I've listened and to they it all. Are, it yeah, they, it's so much fun. And it's it a is, double-edged sword because each episode is about 15, 20 minutes. So it's something you can fit in while you're doing dishes or, you know, it's not a big chunk of time that you have to commit to listening. But, but on the other hand, that 20 minutes, yeah, and it goes by so quick. And then they're like, you hear the theme music, and you're like, son of a bitch. And then you're like, you know, cliffhanger, now I got to wait a whole week. So, damn it, Harvey. I'm not going to, definitely, I'm not going to lie. I have nothing but love and respect for my old fogies for life partner, which is Harvey. But Harvey is very good at writing the fucking cliffhangers. Yeah. I don't think he has left me one chapter that he's written where he hasn't had a cliffhanger at the end of it. Yeah. So, Carice is pretty good at the cliffhangers as well. I think of the two, Harvey is better at the cliffhangers than Carice. But they're both really good at it. So but Carice comes in with the accents. That, that levels the playing field. Definitely. They are both doing an amazing job. Much fun. With that story. And I highly encourage people to go check it out and listen. It is freaking amazing. And it has been discussed that when the whole thing is said and done that we might be able to get one or both of them to come on Literature Reapers as well and discuss the story as an entirety. Yeah. So I'm crossing fingers that we can make that happen, and I look forward to that ultimately happening because I think we can at least get Harvey to come on the show too. I don't want it to happen because that means then the story ends and it's over and then I don't have any more Thursdays. Well, I think we might be able to talk them into doing this again in the future as well because I think both of them are enjoying doing this. And at the end of the day, it's a very creative way of churning out episodes of a show. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's a lot of shows out there doing that. No. So definitely hats off to them for coming up with this. It is freaking amazing and you guys are doing awesome killing it so definitely that was a big shout out to harvey but as well there's great stuff coming up on crush gasm there's great stuff coming up yeah on i get to make my debut i'm recording with kendra tomorrow i'm not gonna say what i've got on my schedule because i'm joining a very elite fraternity next week in the I did not make these rankings podcast network family. And there's only one other person who can say that they are a part of this fraternity. Okay. I want to so, be part of it. I want to pay. 
you probably will be part of it at some point, just like everybody else will probably be a part of it at some point. But Dre is the only person that is a part of it for fraternity so far until next week. All right. So definitely thank you guys for being here each and every week. We will be back next week. Same bat. Well, not same bat time. I don't know what day it is. So no same bat time, no same bat channel. Just tune Regardless in. of when we record, it will drop on Wednesday. It will drop on Wednesday. I will be daily in contact with Tim, trying to set the date so that we can get everything planned. My notes are done for The Shining. I have great discussion questions posed on stuff to talk about. We're going to have a good time, and this episode will. We may not be live this coming week, but we definitely will be available next Wednesday. So tune in for that as well. Um, after that, we will discuss Creep Show and Cujo. And then we'll be moving on to Halloween Horror Fest 2023. So join us for that as well. Stay tuned for Literature Reapers coming up in a couple of weeks as well with the Hellbound Heart and then To Kill a Mockingbird. Join us every Tuesday night for the drafts. It will be lots of fun. Tonight we'll be discussing songs from 1987 as well as dream jobs that we feel each person in the network could do going to be a lot of fun going to be a lot of laughs i highly recommend being there and with that said shanna take us the fuck home all right well thank you everyone for joining us for as we kick off the stephen king birthday bonanza um, we appreciate you being here and discussing this epic movie with us and we hope that you come back and join us for an evening at the movies and scissors yeah.